Hey, Adam. Hey. Oh my God, those earrings are amazing. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I'm trying to like get a really good look at those. Yeah, wow. Did you make those? I didn't. They're from my friend's company, Indie City, and they're called oh. Snaggin Blankets. <laughs> oh, they're called Snaggin Blankets? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is it because they snag your hair? Uh, no, <laughs> snagging is something completely different. <laughs> oh, well, can you tell me what that is? I'm just kidding. I, I think I just figured it out. I think I just figured it out. <laughs> All of a sudden you're like, oh my God, this guy is super old. <laughs> I had no we're idea. Probably for... around the same age. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, we might be, I'm just, I've never been hip. So. I mean, that's not like I'm going to start now. <laughs> so I, I like to leave the format really open. I just want to hear, I'd love to just learn about you. Like anything you want, you, your, your story would be probably, well, I know it would be beneficial for people out there just trying to figure maybe their own stuff out, right? Right, right. Um, and I know you've just been through so much over the last, even just a couple of weeks that, uh, yeah. yeah, would you would you mind just taking off and telling us your story? Sure, I'll just start with an introduction, I guess. Please. Uh, my name is Autumn Whiteway, and my spiritual name is Night Singing Woman. Um, I'm Soto Métis, and I was born and raised in Mokinstis in Treaty 7 territory, but um, a lot of my family still resides in Barrens River First Nation in Manitoba. Hmm. Um, I am a first-time mom, and I'm a single mom. Uh, my son is 14 months old, and his name is Migzy, and he's changed my life and my path. Uh, can, can you say his name again? I'm sorry, I just sure. missed it. It's Migzy. Migzy. Yes. Oh, wow. What is bald eagle in Ojibwe. Oh, okay. That is cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, I am an archaeologist by trade, and then okay. I also started doing art a few years ago. And then over the past year, I started doing um, curation, and I started doing that um, kind of in my hospital bed after my C-section with my son. So it all okay. came together really quickly, and now I've put together four shows in addition to curating the Artist of the Month for Making Treaty 7 Cultural Society. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you are a busy lady. <laughs> I know. My, my whole maternity leave was extremely busy, probably the busiest I've ever been in my life. And that's not related to my son. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Obviously, you can multitask. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to slow down a little bit, but. <laughs> I, you know what? It's not that. a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually looking at starting a business now oh. um, which would be um of course archaeological assessment but i'd really like to focus on traditional knowledge and land use studies as well as um, indigenous research and consultation and that would be so i can have a better work-life balance uh, because as an archaeologist i'm often out in the field for up to three weeks at a time and i just can't do that now as a single mom yeah Wow, I just want to pick your brain about everything. Can I just ask yeah, you some questions? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so archaeology. How did you get into archaeology? 
And like, what, what are some of the things that entail going out for three weeks? Cause I know nothing about it. Yeah. Unless it's like uh, Indiana Jones. If it's like Indiana Jones, then I, I might know a little bit. <laughs> I wish it was. I was actually shocked when I went to university. <laughs> and um, I was really surprised how, <laughs> how much it was not like Indiana Jones and how actually scientific it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there's like less action. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit, um, less interesting uh, <laughs> actually no it's, it's very interesting in its own ways but it's a little bit less action-packed than you see on the screen <laughs> yeah I was gonna say it's probably very interesting especially if it's highly scientific right yeah there's so many different specializations you can have in archaeology mm -hmm. um, my own specialization is actually um, mortuary ethnoarchaeology okay. and I worked Bedouin in Jordan um, and I, I did my own research there about their um, mortuary practices. And so ethnoarchaeology is, is working with living people to explain archaeological problems. Mm. And I was working with them um, to take a look at uh, how we can create an archaeology of nomadic people, because they're often ignored because archaeologists think that they're ephemeral or invisible in the archaeological record. So yeah. if we looked at their graves, then that's one um, set place on the landscape that we can we can find people. So um, that's what my research was about. And I, I loved working with the Bedouin and I saw so many similarities in in their way of life compared to the way indigenous people used to live here. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and similar struggles with uh, colonization as well. Really, the the Bedouin yeah. the Bedouin people were were they invaded as well? Um, for example, in um, in Israel, due to the situation in Israel and a lot of people moving into Israel, yeah. a lot of the Bedouin people there, where that was their traditional territory, have been displaced. Okay. As well as the creation of borders that separated a lot of tribes from their other tribal members because they were nomadic. Um, and then I've seen stories in, in Israel where um, people would have their tents knocked down um, because of the illegal settlements and such. Mm. So um, there's a lot going on and there's, there's a lot in Jordan where I was working as well. I feel like they're trying to move, move the Bedouin into a more sedentary role so that mm. people can start owning the land and growing crops. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot going on over there. <laughs> I can't even imagine what it was like to be over there working because you would yeah. have been so enmeshed yeah. in, in the culture there. Mm -hmm. I've also excavated there and I've, um, wow. I've excavated in Italy and Iceland at a cemetery. Um, where else? I've worked in Ethiopia. Yeah, doing research with um, marginalized potters, and um, wow, and I worked in in a few provinces in Canada, and I became mm -hmm. a permanent holding archaeologist. And um, my I got three degrees in archaeology, and my my other specialties are um, human osteology, physical anthropology, um, and then I've done a lot of. Uh, in in my work role i've done a lot of zoo archaeology which is working with animal bones because um, yeah. you can kind of take the uh the human the knowledge of human osteology and apply it to animals mm -hmm. yeah so well, i can't I, I can't believe how like talented you are 
Like, oh. what is it? <laughs> You're welcome. And I mean, honestly, I, I don't mean to, you know, gush, but that, it's, it's kind of incredible, actually. Oh, thank so, you. You're welcome, because in a way, you are like Indiana Jones. You've kind okay. of traveled to places. You you may not have fought Nazis or anything like that, but, <laughs> but maybe you have. I have no idea, because uh, I don't know what it's like in a lot of cool places. Yeah. So. Oh, there's my son. Sorry. <laughs> oh, that's okay. That's all good. Day two. <laughs> nice. It's good, to, it's good to hear him in the background. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, probably his baby songs have stopped playing, so let me restart them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't want to go without the songs. No, no, that's what keeps him occupied when I do <laughs> <laughs> That's that's right. I bet it helps. Yeah. 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 So archaeology is really, really interesting and, and there's just so many specializations that people can have. Yeah. It's too vast for one person to know everything. Mm -hmm. So there's so many little specializations. Yeah, and and you know the the more that they that well you guys, because you're an archaeologist so the more that you yeah. archaeologists dig and find different things about culture because wasn't there something just recently discovered in north america yeah there was um, a find of some children's footprints in new mexico yeah and that has pushed back the date of um, the colonization of north america to at least twenty one thousand years wow. and it's pretty securely dated. I think they radiocarbon dated some seeds that were found with the footprints. Mm -hmm. So um, in addition to that, you probably have to add a couple thousand years uh, for people to have traveled down to New Mexico. Um, <clears throat> so I think they're saying approximately 23,000 years, we can safely say that indigenous people have been in North America. Wow. And originally, um, I know there was some some finds in um, in Chile that were about thirteen and a half thousand years old, mm -hmm. so it it pushes things back quite a ways, which kind of goes along with um, a lot of creation stories as well, which the dating would be much earlier than than what was known scientifically mm -hmm. previously. That's awesome. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I, just... I was really happy to hear that news because I. I saw a lot of mainstream archaeological colleagues in, in academia that are accepting this evidence. Mm -hmm. In the past, there have been some other things where people may not have accepted it right away, but now it seems pretty secure that people have been here longer than originally thought. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of interesting because I'm not like, like I'm not a, I don't know a lot about, um, about it, obviously, but I had mm -hmm. heard that there's like lots of almost like infighting among amongst archaeologists over some of the data. Absolutely. And I think that's that's one thing that kind of keeps science going and keeps everybody on their toes is you you have to question everything and think critically about everything and make sure that all the data is correct and, mm -hmm. and peer reviewed before you can believe it. So um, yeah that peer review is important. Absolutely. Yeah and in this day of in day and age of Facebook and social media, I just find that um, people aren't thinking as critically as they used to. They'll be very mm -hmm. quick to accept the first thing they see. And I've, I've even noticed that among some academics, but mm -hmm. uh, yeah, hopefully we can remind ourselves to question the evidence. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good thing to say. That's yeah, important. I always try to go to the original source and review it for myself and then yeah. 
um, have a better grasp on the data. It's 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 obviously helpful when you trust your um, you trust your own intellectual instincts, right? To Absolutely. get you to that critical point of well, not just comprehending it, but of like mm -hmm. an, an analyzing it, uh, dissecting it. Yes. Um, yeah, and I th I think. Man, I wish I did more of that, to be honest with you. I probably don't do enough of it, right? Like where you kind of hear an answer and you're like, okay, it sounds reasonable. But that's yeah, like, exactly. yeah, yeah and not I necessarily think, yeah, true. Not questioning it is leads to a lot of conspiracy theories. And oh. we've probably seen that with COVID. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. This, I, I didn't realize there were so many conspiracy theories, to be honest with you. Yeah. Until I, Until some of the people I work with regularly just start talking about some very interesting things. Right. You know, like incredibly interesting ideas about life on this planet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Probably heard some similar theories. <laughs> I am sure you have. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't doubt it one bit. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, archaeology, and, yeah. and that's just one of your skills. Yeah. Um, and then a few years ago, I moved into the artistic world. Um, mm -hmm. It's something that I always wanted to do, but I, I was in university for 10 years and um, I had no time beyond classes and executive positions and all sorts of stuff related to academia. So um, it wasn't too long after I finished my third degree, I started testing my hand at art. And then I really wanted to learn a lot of different traditional indigenous crafts um, mm. as a means to reclaim my culture. Um, and I just found it really inspirational. And um, in addition, it, it was really um, calming for me as well to work on mm. those crafts. So um, then I, I applied to do um, a craft show which is actually where I met you the first time and that was That's my right. first ever show <laughs> and oh, it's so amazing oh thank you yeah mm. it was such an incredible experience and then I met a lot of people in in Calgary's indigenous art scene and it's just taken off from there and I I just absolutely love it and I I love being part of the artist community here mm. I use my art. Originally, I was working in the, the Woodlands School of Art, which was grandfathered by Norval Morisot, which is um, an Ojibwe style of art, okay. um, which focuses on kind of x-ray views of animals. There's a lot of symbolism in it. Mm. Um, but from there, I kind of um, took on more of an activist role with my artwork to highlight Indigenous issues. Mm. Um, and so I, I work in both mediums. and. Um, but I really, I really love doing the activist art um, to bring people's attentions and, and to bring a dialogue to some of the issues that face Indigenous people. And there's like so much going on that's always gone on that, that lots of us are just coming, becoming aware of. Yeah. Um, in terms of Indigenous difficulties, right? Like the lack of rights, the lack of water, the, the so many lackings, right? Yeah. Um, 
yeah even even amongst a lot of indigenous people um mm -hmm. in their own families it was hidden from them that somebody went to residential school for example mm -hmm. um my grandfather passed away before i was born but he he either went to residential school or indian day school i'm unclear on which one mm -hmm. um, and what was the difference if you don't mind me asking um residential school would be that they were sent away um mm -hmm. away from their family i believe for indian day school they they probably just went to the school for the day and then they were able to return home at night okay um, that makes a lot of sense yeah sense. i know in my family's community um the the missionaries were very prevalent and and mm -hmm. a lot of my family there is um very religious um, okay and i i didn't grow up with um with christian religion or or any religion at all so it's very different for me speaking to them um mm -hmm. and then sometimes being told that practicing my traditional culture i'm made to feel like it's wrong <laughs> but even even by like so that's that's like inter interviolence right yeah um is that what it's called i can't remember the name um, I'm quite sure what oh maybe like lateral violence me lateral violence thank yeah, you so yeah. much yeah yeah um for example i i really i've been saving my son's placenta to do a placenta ceremony on um mm. on what would be the home territory and i was told we don't do that and oh. um then i started questioning it if i was to try to go there and bury my son's placenta which would be a traditional ceremony am i going to have people trying to stop me and then but i had an ojibwe elder tell me in the past that i should bury my son's placenta there um and i started questioning do i do i bury it here in alberta closer to home where i was born even though this isn't my traditional territory um I don't know. So it left me with a lot of questions and confusion about trying to practice my traditional ceremonies. Um, oh, no doubt. Yeah, and I felt perhaps like I'm I'm looked down upon because I'm my son has never touched the outside ground uh, because mm. I'm waiting for him to do a walking out ceremony. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I don't practice Christianity, so mm. yeah that's okay yeah they, they have they have lots of practitioners yes <laughs> they sure do yeah they have enough yeah yeah <laughs> i think we're good we're good over here yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm just trying to reclaim my culture and uh, and sometimes i find it frustrating um uh, seeing as uh Christianity in a lot of ways was forced upon indigenous people mm -hmm. um, and then to look down upon people that are trying to reclaim their their traditional practices yeah it's hard yeah I can't imagine how hard it is yeah and then I I just see the harm that was caused by the church with residential schools and, mm -hmm. and then I find it hard to accept that other people still um still want to practice that religion mm -hmm. yeah 
Yeah, I, I do too. I honestly, there's just some times where I'm like, what, what's the point? Yeah. Um, I know, but I know how important faith is. So mm-hmm. on the one hand, I, I say, you know, what's the point of this? Yeah. And I say, okay, but for some good people, whatever the faith is, gives them um, the desire to be decent to other yeah. people. Right? Yeah, for sure. And I see how um, the worldview of creator and, and mm-hmm. God can intermix and um, mm-hmm. how it could have been adopted into indigeneity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, but I, I think that um, creator is, is so much more like of the earth, right? And of yeah, it's a lot what, more what is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and there's no there's not the same hierarchy that exists in some other religions, right? That that hierarchy of like I mean, before Christianity and probably Islam, there was no hierarchy. Like there was a, a people over over animals, like things were equal, right? Living things were equal and um, Absolutely, that's one of the differences in in worldview. Mm-hmm. And I've actually been listening to a really interesting podcast. It's it's a pretty short podcast actually, mm-hmm. um, called Spirit to Soar. Okay. Uh, and then there was one episode that kind of discusses the the difference um, in the European colonial um, worldview versus indigenous worldview. Um, at contact and um, yeah it's really it's really interesting and and how um, European colonialism focused more on individualism and indigenous people used to uh, just take what was needed but then um, when the fur trade came then they were taking more than was necessary and that led to a lot of issues for example, yeah. near extinction of the bison. Mm-hmm. And that's tragic. Like the tra- yeah. just tragic how um, there was no end to the greed, right? Just no yeah. end to it. Yeah. And that extinction happened or near extinction happened so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was aided by the railroad I heard because people would just um, shoot their guns off the trains at all the bison mm-hmm. um, that were alongside the train. And yeah, that certainly helped move things along quicker. Really? They would just be on the train and they would just be going by shooting them? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't understand why. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all, all those bison hides. And then a lot of the bones eventually, once they were um, picked clean, were mm-hmm. sent off to make bone china. Wow. Okay. And they were yeah. so close to the train that it was was easy to just load everything up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, that, I mean, again, that makes sense. But again, it's, it sounds a lot like greed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Indigenous people were more about community and serving the whole and then... Um, mm. And then there was that kind of individual perspective, individualistic perspective that came along and very greedy. Um, mm, very much so. Yeah. 
No, which very, indivi individualistic. very much in opposition to the in indigenous worldview. Mm -hmm. And that's probably why, I mean, honestly, one of the reasons besides every reason they could think of, but why the colonists were so afraid, right? It was just so contrary, like to yeah. their worldview, like yeah. so contrary. Yeah. Um, I and, and, uh, wonder how the world got that way. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, yeah. And it, it, it makes me wonder, and I, I mean, there's probably lots of answers for it. You might even have some, but um, how all across this planet, indigenous people were pushed from their homes. Mm -hmm. So how does that happen with every other culture? You know what I mean? Because it's not yeah. just Western culture. It's no. everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Like, you know, yeah. um, colonization it, happened throughout history mm -hmm. in many different places. Mm -hmm. and, and yeah, there's a lot of displaced people over time. Right? It's, it's just crazy that we've yeah. never stopped, though. Yeah, <laughs> we are uh, we are explorers. So. Yeah, explorers. Is, that's great that we explore, right? But to mm -hmm. to explore and eventually learn that hey, we don't have to kill everybody. <laughs> right like we don't have to we could like try something different <laughs> i often tried to understand things from an animal behavior perspective mm -hmm. um when i was in university i took an animal behavior class which ended up being um kind of through the primatology uh, department of anthropology mm -hmm. and uh so we were looking at some some types of apes and monkeys and their behaviors and it was interesting i can't remember exactly which which types it, it was or if, mm -hmm. if they were apes or monkeys but um oftentimes there would be a male that would come in and, and start a war with a a different troop and um mm -hmm. try to take over and so i I kind of tried to apply that perspective because it seems like a lot of wars are, are started by men. Um, mm -hmm. And that's probably, I bet you that's nearly a hundred percent true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's probably not all a hundred percent true, but um, yeah. I can well, see and, some female warriors throughout history, oh, but many um, female warriors, I'm certain. Right. But uh, that doesn't mean they started the war exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i try to look at it from that perspective of mythology yeah. and um um like our our human ancestors and and what mm -hmm. drove us uh was it territory what was it um mm -hmm. to to drive the males of the species towards um war and fighting mm -hmm. it's really really interesting if you think about it from an animal behavior perspective you're 100 percent correct it, it yeah. uh, and and the animal perspective really does explain a lot right like and, yeah. and not just like the primates but biological reasons right like yeah it um, might be something evolutionary so it's like exactly <laughs> yeah exactly right where it's yeah. um and and i i don't think that humans we're not the only animal that kills for fun right like we right. or or just for sport like i right. mean there's animals do it to each other all the time Mm -hmm. you know um even in the same like species of animals right like it, it just it's part of 
it seems like it's part of being alive. You have to fight or it's that fight instinct in a living creature. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then in humans, it just, it expresses itself so strangely because we have that uh, frontal lobe. Yeah, so. <laughs> we have the intellect and everything to go along with it. So Yeah, that's right. And we can have an existential crisis while we're doing all this crazy yeah. shit. We are a sweet species. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's very true. Yeah, I kind of feel like the earth might be benefit a little bit from us not being here. <laughs> You know what, I think we're the, what was that? I, I can't remember where it came, comes from, but it's like, we are the only species that if we disappear, the earth would flourish. Yes. <laughs> right? <It's> like, true. <laughs> yeah. It would flourish until, I mean, I guess until the sun explodes, whenever that's going to happen. Yeah. But that's a long time down the road, I think. So. Oh, hopefully not in my lifetime. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think it's in anyone who's alive right now's lifetime, thankfully. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess they'd probably know. Like, yeah, well, I, I, I think they do. I don't, again, yeah. I'm no mathematician, but I think they have it figured out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, and we no longer believe we were, you know, the sun revolves around us and stuff like that. So that's nice. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we're the center of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. That's, and then it's no wonder that, uh, there was so much trouble with Christianity, hey? Like, yeah. yeah. Not only is this religion tell us that the humanity is the center of the universe, but we're telling you you're the center of the universe. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that God thinks you're special. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, which don't get me wrong. I mean, maybe there is a God and maybe God thinks we're special. Right. right? <laughs> and, but I think creators would think everyone's special and everything is special right Absolutely. like not just yeah, not, not, not just one humans above everything else yeah I, I just find that hard to believe right yeah so. me too when I walk through the park um, I'm mm. very lucky I live by some of the major parks in town um, I just I take a look at everything around me and I just feel like everything is special um, the yeah. trees the leaves everything is a piece of art to me mm -hmm. Yeah, and I had one one elder say to me that, uh, oh, it's coughing. Is he okay? Had, yeah. Are you okay, baby? Should I start your baby song? More songs. Maybe that was uh, to get attention to the fact that his songs had ended. Yeah, he was, he was just like getting your attention. Yeah, yeah, he does the fake cough sometimes. Oh, does he? Yeah. Clever lad. I know. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> oh, he's going to be smart like his mom. I bet. <laughs> I hope so. He's a, I bet. a major book reader. He'll, Is he? Yeah, he, he'll always go straight for his books rather than his toys. So yeah. that makes me happy. Wow. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. But anyways, I was saying that um, mm -hmm. an elder told me that um, Na'a, which is Mother Earth, is um, is the greatest artist and that she mm. the, a new picture once um four times a year so mm. i went to the park the other day and just, there were so many beautiful colors the way everything's changing right now it just looks so beautiful mm -hmm. yeah it, it really does i took a walk on monday and you I, I believe whatever that elder what he told you or she told you i 
didn't you didn't specify gender um yeah that's true 100 percent true like yeah. you got to take a walk and take some pictures it's just so beautiful yeah right? and i started um doing a little bit of ecological art so okay what does that look like so the first one that I ever did was earlier this year, and it was actually inspired by that elder mm. who's talking about land-based art. And um, so I lay down tobacco and I collected a bunch of plant materials. Uh, that was last fall. And then I believe it was in January, there was um, a really good snowfall. So I had this nice fresh bed of snow and I thought that would be the perfect background and I strategically placed all of these little plant materials some was uh, cattail fluff and I'm not sure that's the names of a lot of the other plants but um, I laid them down and it looked like um, a portrait of a bison in the end oh really yeah you can use like a berry for the eye yeah Just, there's so many different things that you can do I'm that's... hoping I can take a class on um ecological art very soon that wow. i just with all the leaves right now it's the perfect time you can place all the different colors as um as feathers mm -hmm. and it just it forces you to look at every little thing in nature as a, a piece of art and strategize in your head how to put them all together into um one cohesive artwork wow how can i place this berry or yeah this leaf has all these little brown, brown splotches on it. How can I use that? Mm -hmm. um, how can I use this piece of bark with um, some orange uh, lichen on it? Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's amazing. It's fun, and then you just let it go back to nature at the end. Yeah, that's pretty cool, right? Like there's, yeah, it just stays where it is. Yeah, absolutely. It goes home. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So. So how did you, like, what was your life like growing up? Like, did you always want to be an artist and an archaeologist? Like, or did that kind of develop? Um, I was pretty good at art when I was younger, but I didn't do much past high school. I got so busy. I, I was in a band, so I started playing at bars when I was 15. Um, mm -hmm. What kind of music did you play? I was a ska musician. <laughs> What's a ska? Ska? It's a type yeah. of music that was um, originally born in Jamaica in the 1950s, 60s. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and then my voice was a little bit like Gwen Stefani from No Doubt, which actually oh, wow. started as a ska band. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I, you can sing too. Yeah, wow. <laughs> it's been many years. I actually wanted yeah. to go to musical theater school for a while, but I decided in the end that that was too stressful for me. I used to perform mm -hmm. a lot, but I always suffered from stage fright. So um, in the end, I decided to pursue other paths. And then I eventually went to university. Um, I didn't actually start university till I was 26. Um, and I actually started university before I got my high school diploma in the mail. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. I, I had gone to high school, at alternative high school. Um, okay. After I tried regular high school, I was in French immersion, but I, um, I just didn't, didn't feel like I belonged with the people there. So 
um, it was very stressful for me. And so I, um, eventually I ended up at Alternative High School, which was amazing. And I came out of my shell there. Um, they allowed me to be myself, which was, I was a, a punk rock girl. I was in the punk rock scene. And, um, oh, cool. Punk rock yeah. is good shit. Yeah, I started going to shows when I was about 13 or 14 with my brother, and um, that was my life. I used to go to every single show um, mm. when, and it was a lot smaller back then. There wasn't nearly as many people as go to shows nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> Just these small venues, and um, it was amazing. I loved it, but I just didn't feel like I fit in with the, the regular people <laughs> in high school. Um, other than that, I, I had a pretty normal upbringing, mm -hmm. stable upbringing. My parents were really good. Um, but, oh, I lost my train of thought. Where was I going with all this? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was a, I was a really busy kid, yeah. um, with, with my bands in high school. And then I was working full time towards the end of high school. Um, and yeah, I eventually started running an adult store when I was still in high school. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I, I was there for about five and a half years and then I, um, I switched it up and I went over to a law firm. <laughs> oh, wow. You went from an adult store to a law firm. Yeah. <laughs> and I bet you, I, I bet you this, I bet you there was just as many slimy people in the law firm as there was that came in at the adult store. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I'm just and I kidding. remember, I remember hearing from uh, one of my friends who um, kind of put, put all the food out for meetings and all that. Um, he, he told me that the people downstairs called me the weird girl, which I was okay with because who really yeah. wants to be normal? Uh, <laughs> well, definitely and you definitely yeah. don't want to necessarily fit into a law firm right yeah it was <laughs> I always whenever I had these kind of normal jobs in offices I had to hide I have yeah. two septum piercings so I always had to take those out and I hated mm. that I couldn't just be me yeah I always had funky hair I don't now now it just my hair is so long that I'm scared to bleach it and wreck it again <laughs> but oh, um, yeah it looks it looks amazing thank you yeah, I used to have like um, rainbow hair um, mm. and try. I think you had rainbow hair when I first met you, didn't you? Oh, it's possible. Yeah, I think I so. Used to, I used to do things like purple with black stripes and mm -hmm. all sorts of hairstyles. I used to go. That looks good too, though. Stylists and be like, okay, just do what you want. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, I bet you they love that. Yeah, she did. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, then I ended up with these office positions and then um, uh, eventually I ended up at the Alberta Securities Commission and then I was, for the first couple years of university, two, three years, I was working full-time and going to school full-time. Um, so that was extremely busy. Um, mm -hmm. I, I kind of had a Blackberry for each hand and I'd be trying to solve people's problems in the university. <laughs> <laughs> you're uh, juggling blackberries yeah but from the <laughs> office world i kind of realized that i um i'd rather be outside oh sorry my son is blowing mouth farts 
<laughs> That's okay. We, we need a sound. We need a soundtrack for this episode. We're gonna use your son's mouth parts. <laughs> All right. Totally. Keep going, boy. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, keep it up, my friend. <laughs> This is how he interrupts every interview. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, so um, I, I decided archaeology is, is what I wanted to do as a child. Mm -hmm. um, so let me go back to that. And as we discussed earlier, I kind of thought it would be a little bit more like Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah, which, <laughs> which explains why from a as a child you wanted to do it, right? Because it yeah. was my hero growing up. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I was constantly out in the sandbox, so mm -hmm. I, I actually had a list of, of jobs that I wanted when I was a child. I was going to oh, be archaeologist, a paleontologist, because I started writing a book about dinosaurs when I was five, and I didn't end wow. writing it until I was 12 or 13, and then I suddenly wanted to be an Egyptologist. Um, but wow. when I was little, I, I thought herpetology, entomology, or a veterinarian, and that was my list. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, eventually, then, I went back to one of those. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And you kind of, what else did, where did you study? It was something else. Um, um, so I have a, I have a bachelor of science um, honors in um, archaeology, concentrating on uh, physical anthropology. I have a physical anthropology. Yeah, yeah, I have a bachelor of arts. Um, in Greek and Roman studies, and then a Master of Arts in Anthropology. Okay, okay. They all wow. are archaeology focused. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, and I was, I've been told that I need to go back and do a PhD by many an academic. <laughs> yeah, um, well, I bet. That was my original plan. I was going to do a PhD, and I got... Uh, I got shirk funding that I actually turned down oh, um, really? several years ago. Yeah, I was one of the very few people that <laughs> was going to get shirk funding that year. And uh, my, my ex-husband, who's from Jordan, wouldn't have been able to come with me to England, where I was going to go to school. Mm -hmm. I had already left him behind in Calgary to do my master's degree in mm. Winnipeg. So I just, uh, I turned it down because I didn't want to leave him behind again. And that was a poor choice. <laughs> That's too bad. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I know it's, it's something that I, I'm sure I could achieve again. And, um, yeah. I mean, well, you could do whatever you put your mind to, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's more a matter of, of time and mm -hmm. will at this point. It's, yeah. Difficult, difficult with a baby, but not impossible. Mm -hmm. Nothing's impossible, especially no. when you're like obviously multi-talented human. Yeah, I, I'm sure it wouldn't be too bad at all, actually. Yeah, I think I think it would be well by the sounds of it. I don't know you, but it, it sure seems like you're one of those folks who could do it. So yeah. <laughs> I, but I find it hard to believe that you spent 10 years in university, like, and you went in at 26. Sorry, my brain does math like that. It's like, there's no way you're like late thirties. I'm actually 41. What? <laughs> yeah. Early 40. Oh my goodness. Wow. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll be 42 well. soon. <laughs> hey, 
good. I'm glad that I guessed low. I, after I, <laughs> after I said that, I was like, wait a minute. What if she's really much younger? <laughs> <laughs> I went yeah. into university at the age of 12. <laughs> well, I know at 12, right? <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh no, she was baiting me into it. <laughs> So you wanted to be an archaeologist from the time you were young. Yeah. Um, very cool. Mm -hmm. okay. And so was it everything you expected or what, like kind of not, well, I guess it wasn't what you expected because it wasn't Indiana Jones. Right. Um, but it must, like, it must be pretty cool that you went to some pretty interesting places on the globe. Yeah, it was amazing. Oh, let me just <laughs> turn this up so we can hear his song. Um, it was amazing. Uh, I got a lot of scholarships um, mm. throughout university and I kind of applied those to taking some programs overseas so I could travel a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I just felt like if I got scholarships, I, I need to apply it to my education. And I didn't realize you could use it for other things, but I, I have no regrets because I saw some amazing things and I did some programs overseas and um, mm -hmm. took part in some excavations overseas. Um, archaeology in Canada was a little bit different than I expected it would be. How so? Um, it's here it's called cultural resource management mm -hmm. so oftentimes it's not done for archaeology's sake it's more done for industry. So for example a company wants to go in and build a pipeline and we would go in and kind of salvage as much as we could before mm -hmm. that happened and then um, the permit holded, holding archaeologists would give the approval for uh, say the pipeline to mm -hmm. go ahead um, in BC there's a lot of, of kind of forestry archaeology um, but, yeah, so I feel like in BC they're they're trying to avoid doing excavation mm -hmm. and they it's more like marking off areas that shouldn't be disturbed. Whereas here, it's a little bit more of a salvage situation. Okay. Yeah. Two more songs after. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's one of those situations where it stops like every three songs because oh. it thinks that it's episode. <laughs> oh, okay. I got you. Are you still watching? Yeah. Are you still paying Even attention? <laughs> that's funny yeah are you still watching of course i am what what else, what yeah. else would i be doing <laughs> don't ask me <laughs> yeah you're, you're disrupting the flow of the show <laughs> cool i this it's so interesting um oh what else was i going to ask you i forgot it's okay you can please continue with your story i'm sure i'll think of more mm. questions i don't know story um I guess one of one of the major things that affected my life is um when I was how old was I? I was probably about 21 or 22. Um and I was I used to travel to New York City um every year. So it was kind of it was my third year in a row in New York City. Mm -hmm. And I arrived on September 10th, um, 2001. And wow. The next morning I had set my alarm to be at the World Trade Center because that was the only place at that time that you could get this um, seven day unlimited subway pass. Um, 
they had some vending machines there. So I was probably between half a kilometer to less than a kilometer away from the World Trade Centers where I was subletting an apartment. And um, <clears throat> I woke up to the radio and I heard that there was a, an air traffic disaster and I just like rose out of bed like what mm -hmm. um, and then I went over to the window uh, I I was supposed to be there when when the plane hit but I because of the difference in humidity and I had worked two months straight before that I was exhausted and I I had a really sore throat when I woke up so I was moving slower than anticipated and stayed in bed longer mm -hmm. Ran over to the window and then I saw the the second plane hit. Oh my god! Um, yeah, my brother was calling because he was watching the news, and fortunately, he got a hold of me because um, after that, I couldn't get a hold of my family for mm. three days because the there was some major cell towers on top of the World Trade Centers that went down. Mm -hmm. So I accumulated like an $850 cell bill just trying to call home. Wow. <laughs> um, so you were supposed um, to be yeah, at work. I wasn't supposed to be at work. I was just supposed to be at the World Trade oh, Center. Okay. Yeah, but I was going to be there at that exact time. I had set my alarm yeah. and that was kind of around the time that I was going to be there and start my day. Um, and I know had I been there at the time, I would have been one of those people rushing into the building trying to save people. So um, I watched the buildings fall that day. I watched everything live out the window and on the off the roof of the building. Um, and I, I really had survivor's guilt for many years. Um, I went back for the first few memorials and the first year I I wrote a letter for the person that took my place because I felt that that should have been my place. I should have been there saving people. If, if I had just been on time, that's what I would have been doing. Um, so that was really hard. And, and I was with um, an abusive man at that time. And he was, he was trying to escape New York City and leave me behind. Um, I remember we went for a walk after watching the events of the day for many, many hours. And uh, and then we went to Times Square and somebody said, what are you doing here? There's threats of nerve gas. And I just, that's when I kind of lost it. I got really scared and I walked the whole way back to the apartment backwards, um, waiting for a taxi cab. And there was none, the city was shut down. People had left their, it was like a ghost town. I didn't see a taxi in those like 25 blocks, um, which is yeah, crazy. New York, um, right? That is crazy. Yeah, that was the second time I had seen New York set, shut down. In, in 1999, I was there during a, a hurricane. Mm -hmm. So it was shut down then. I think they shut down all the subways and everything. Um, but yeah, it was it was a scary time and, and to see everything um, just out my window or from the roof of the building. Um, it was pretty intense. It was like, oh. is this even happening? Is this real? Am oh I just my. having a bad night? Yeah, <laughs> I got goosebumps. Oh, my. Wow. Yeah. I was actually in the, the barricaded zone for the first five days. Um, 
and there was there was a few places open in the neighborhood mm -hmm. but i didn't have a lot of food and um and everything was shut down so the only people that could open were people that like lived in that barricaded zone so eventually after about five days i could get a mask from one store um but i could walk down to the world trade center site because uh, i was within that zone if i left the barricaded zone i would have not been allowed to re-enter because i couldn't prove i lived in there mm -hmm. um, so yeah I, I had to wear a, a wet towel over my face all the time because the the air just burned because wow. of all the debris that was in the air and then everything in, in my building was kind of covered in dust. The building was yeah. covered in dust. Well, yeah. I can't, man. I, wow. Yeah. And I remember. That just must have been so unreal. It was. I remember walking one day. I think it was after they removed the, the outer barricade, which I was within. Um, and there was somebody giving out flyers for some things that they needed um, to be brought to the pier, like band-aids and, and all sorts of things for the, the people that were working at the site trying to recover people. Um, and I saw this firefighter who was walking along with his head down and I passed him and just the dead look in his eyes mm. uh, and just, he was so traumatized and I will never, ever forget the way he looked. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he committed suicide afterwards. He mm -hmm. just looked so traumatized by the things that he was seeing. Oh, man. I, yeah, I, I, it's hard to imagine surviving that and then not having so much pain and guilt and stuff to, to carry. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen so much turmoil in somebody's face and in their eyes yeah. and their soul before. Yeah. Oh, I bet that must have been awful. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And and I, I mean, I imagine that every year it's hard for you. Was it hard this year? Because it wasn't that long ago. It was just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And it was one of those big anniversaries, 20 years. Yeah. Um, it, it's starting to get easier. I was diagnosed long ago with PTSD because of September 11th and because I was um, dating an abuser at that time. Um, one thing that he wouldn't allow that would have allowed me to help process the situation better was he wouldn't allow any, any media or anything related to September 11th into our home. So. I actually didn't see a lot of the video coverage that everybody else saw until several years after September 11th happened when we were no longer together. Yeah. And it would have probably helped me to, to see those videos mm -hmm. and such early on to help process and to know everything that went on. But um, he wanted to keep me in the dark because I guess it probably caused him trauma to see it because he saw the same things that I saw. Um, but yeah, we we process things in different ways. So that really hindered my recovery. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll probably always have PTSD related to that. If I see a commercial related to a show about September 11th, I'm definitely in tears. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, especially when I see some of the things about the jumpers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so intense. Yeah. Wow. Well, I appreciate you talking about it. the worst days of, of my life. Yeah. But, but also, as I've said before, one of the best days of my life because I, I've survived and here I am 20 years later and I'm trying to make something of myself and I have a beautiful little boy. Mm -hmm. You are making something of yourself for sure. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> you're welcome. You said trying to make something. I'm like, no, you are. You've made, <laughs> made something of yourself. I, I went through suicidal periods when I was a teenager, but um, I think I just, I, I wasn't surrounded by the right people. So once I found yeah. the right people and once I found my community, then things changed. Yeah. And now, now I'm happy I didn't do something stupid when I was younger. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I've done a lot of living in all that time. Yeah, you sure have. Yeah. I'm not sure I know anyone else who's done as much living in that time, actually. <laughs> I'd have to really think about it. And I don't, I don't know if I got it in me tonight. <laughs> I continue on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, yeah like, um, is there anything else you want to talk about? I just really appreciate you coming on. And I don't want to take up all your, your whole evening. Um, oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. Because I've been looking forward to hearing your story, and I am not disappointed. I'll tell you that. Oh, thank uh, you. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I, I, you probably think I'm just blowing smoke at you, but I really, I, I mean oh, it. It's just nice to get uh, I appreciate that. Right on. Yeah. Other than that, I um, um, so I I've been in several abusive relationships mm. now. And, um, of course, the there's. I'm the sorry one to hear that son's father um yeah but when i when i left the the man that i, I was with on september 11th then um that's when i started planning to go to university and then i i thought okay i'm gonna start my life fresh and and rather than keep traveling to new york every year i'm gonna go somewhere else mm -hmm. um so um originally i was thinking nepal and then i went to a travel show and then i ended up traveling through the Middle East. And that's where I fell in love with the Middle East and Middle Eastern history, which was kind of more my focus in archeology. span um, Okay, cool. That's a very uh, cool history in the Middle East for sure. Yeah, so, and that's when I fell in love as well with adventure travel. So um, my first trip, um, like big adventure travel trip was when I was 25 and I, I went to Turkey, um, Syria, Jordan, and Egypt. Wow. Uh, and then I've done some other trips that were absolutely incredible because I just, I love being immersed in, in the cultures rather than going on like a cruise or mm -hmm. sitting on a beach. I want to, I just want to roll up somewhere and find an adventure there. I, I don't do too much research on the places that I'm going and I, I just try to um, be spontaneous and find things to do when I'm there. So oftentimes these trips um, are overlanding trips and so they entail usually about 50% camping um, and then you're fully fully immersed in the culture. So I, I did another trip um, to um, uh, Central Asia. 
So I did, okay. I did Turkey again then, and then Iran, uh, Turkmenistan, Kazakhstan, uh, Uzbekistan, mm. uh, Kyrgyzstan, which was one of my favorite countries. And I've, I've done really? China, mostly across the, um, the Muslim part of China, and then Mongolia. And then wow. uh, I did South America as well through Argentina, Chile, Bolivia, and Peru. Um, so I've met a lot of people along the way. And then no doubt. I've also, with my research in um, Ethiopia, I was in Ethiopia for quite a while. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, I've met a lot of amazing people along the way. Right on. Do you have a favorite place, like one, a place that you would go back to right now if you could? Oh, absolutely. I think my favorite country ever was Kyrgyzstan. It's just okay, so what, what so beautiful there. Yeah. Yeah. There's wild, well, I guess they're probably not wild horses, but there's just horses everywhere and mountains mm -hmm. and open plains. Um, and it's really peaceful there. There's not that many people. Okay. Um, it's relatively close to Mongolia as well, which was another amazing country. Um, really, hey, what was what was it about Mongolia? Because it's it always has sounded kind of like a cool place to go. Yeah, I think um, I love tent dwelling people. Okay, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think for, with my love of the Bedouin, um, um, mm -hmm. I, I like um, places where there's nomadic people. Um, really mongolia has like one major city and it's a pretty vast space um mm -hmm. their their highways um some of them are just dirt tracks so i i yeah. just love being so off-grid and in nature and it's so peaceful and there's there's so many different landscapes like part of it's desert part is mountain and you can just feel all the history there like it has a an amazing energy um, yeah well it must like yeah got into the soil i bet yeah, <laughs> yeah you, can, you can feel him everywhere i i forget yeah, I the percentage of people there are or throughout central asia are related to him in some way but it's a very high percentage of people <laughs> i i heard that i heard yeah. that because he didn't like to, he liked to spread himself around for sure he sure did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was a he was a fan of sex. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the other countries I loved was Iran. Um, mm. And then one thing that some of the people said is, "Don't think of the people as the same as the the government." Um, mm -hmm. And I I actually felt super safe there all the time. the The mm. people were amazing. Um, if you'd walk into a store, like a convenience store, they'd be trying to give me a, a bag of chips or they'd, like people would just give mm. you a off their back. And of course I didn't oh, wow. accept that because I don't want to take from people, but uh, they yeah. were such amazing people and really intrigued by um, the North American way of life. Mm. Yeah, I would definitely <laughs> go back to Iran. Wow, that's that's pretty cool, and and I think what you just said about not judging the people based on the government, like it's yeah, it's got to be that way, right? Because I sure hope people don't judge us based on our government, right? Like, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> a lot of people just know what they've heard on the news about Iran, so they think it's a a terrible, yeah. scary place, but it's 
um, it's stunning and the people are so nice. Yeah. And they definitely like have some some governmental policies that are questionable. <laughs> For sure. But but that's not on the people. Yeah, because I mean, there's lots of countries over there, not just in the Middle East, that have highly questionable policies, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's it's just the last the last twenty years, twenty maybe even thirty years. I shouldn't even like say twenty, but and probably longer than that. The Middle yeah. East has been demonized, right? So they have, uh, yeah, big time. And, yeah, really. Um, I found in the era of like Trumpism, people mm. people just say whatever's on their mind, like, often incorrectly. Um, spread oh, incorrect, ignorant, yeah. Discrimination. It's it's like just become commonplace to discriminate, um, which is really frustrating because mm. um, I just find Muslim people to be so kind. I've I've always mm. said that in Jordan, if you left your car door unlocked and you left a million dollars on your car seat mm -hmm. someone would probably like hunt you down and say look you left a million dollars on your car seat <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't steal it they <laughs> yeah yeah that's interesting and you would only figure those things out by getting immersed in the culture right like yeah absolutely and yeah and, and allowing and yourself in to Ethiopia be. there's a lot of um, Muslim people there and mm -hmm. um, when I was doing some of my research these are some of the poorest people I've ever met in my life and they'd yeah. be trying to give me um, the eggs that their hens laid that day mm -hmm. and that's all that they had or they had a little bit of flour they'd be trying to give me that or they'd be trying to carry my bags for me and uh, mm -hmm. uh yeah just the people are so kind people who have nothing are often the first to give you everything that they have yeah that's true yeah and that feels that seems very true the world over hey yeah like it when, does. yeah yeah when we come across people who are materially quote-unquote poor man they're so spiritually generous, generous right? yeah yeah. yeah, I agree completely. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, actually. Uh, yeah, that's why I love traveling. Um, cool. To see that side of the world. Yeah, it, it, that has always amazed me too. Every time I've traveled, yeah. I have not. I am not as well traveled as as yourself, but every time I go somewhere else, it's first of all, especially when it's like Mexico or somewhere that's not necessarily. Um, considered to be the same as north america right like yeah you just realize that there is a level of poverty that can always get worse right like it can always there's always more poverty yeah you know? one of the one of the moments that was life-altering for me in ethiopia was um i came across this this older couple um the man was blind and paralyzed um, he was a priest and his wife um, had cut her finger probably, he said about eight or nine months before that. Um, I had an interpreter and they were actually very fearful of me at first. They thought I was going to go into their home and steal what they, what little they had. Um, she was unable to move him into the house anymore. So he just laid on a, a mattress in front of like outside in the elements all the time. Mm. and they were starting to starve because she couldn't cook anymore 
because of uh, her finger was so swollen and infected and he was saying he was begging me for help he said like she she constantly cries because she's in so much pain um, and so when I was I was there with um, another couple of academics and when they pulled up I um, I just went to them and I said I just broke down into tears that wasn't my intention but I was just so upset I said we have to help these people we yeah. have to bring her into town to the doctor so that was her first car ride ever she didn't quite know what to do um wow. brought her into town and the doctors looked after her gave her some medicine and cleaned up the infection um i think they kept her there overnight and then uh we all chipped in and we bought them a bunch of things that they might need like new mattresses pillows and all that stuff and then um for the duration of the uh, the rest of our research there we'd stop in every day or two and and bring some more food mm. and um since he was a, a priest they they have certain days of the week that they wouldn't eat meat um so he did turn it away sometimes because he was a a religious man which i totally respect and mm. i i just i didn't know um but yeah when when we left um it was really emotional i went to visit them and then um the man who was initially extremely fearful of me was calling me maria like um like mary um uh, oh, wow. this is mother <laughs> and that was a huge honor i i certainly not i just um i just really to help him because i would never want to see somebody suffer yeah, and to him you were Mary, so I mean it's okay. <laughs> I, it's it's probably really good for your mental health that you don't think you're Jesus's mom. <laughs> it's really yeah. nice of him to say that to you. That's sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. I mean, and how do you not right when you can? Yeah. Like, how do you not help when you're able to? you know yeah, absolutely it feels good i mean that's the best thing for my mental health is helping other people yeah i i couldn't agree more i think it's yeah. the number one remedy if uh, absolutely yeah right? it's really good yeah if people out there like have never tried it like to to help themselves peer support is pretty good like yeah. going and helping help a buddy yeah, you know, highly recommend. Yeah, highly recommend. <laughs> ten out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's a ten out of ten. <laughs> so how how can people get find your art um, if they were so inclined? Because I bet you there will be people who will be inclined. Oh yes, I would love that. Um, it I, I have a website. It's www.autumn.ca and on instagram what a great website name thank you yeah autumn <laughs> with the former owner who was sitting on it since 2003. <laughs> oh really well, yeah nice you got it yeah <laughs> i was very lucky to get that website mm -hmm. uh, and then they can also find me on instagram and my handle is at og creations and that's oji oji okay yeah and that's going to be short for Ojibwe. Yes. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah. Okay. 
I got one right. Yeah. <laughs> Originally, when I started uh, the company, um, it was with my ex, my son's father, and mm. he uh, he's Cree Métis, and I'm Soto Métis, and so I thought it would be witty <laughs> to um, do OG for myself, and then Creations was spelled C-R-E-E, -E, but mm. um, then we separated our businesses shortly after and so i just spelled it regular creation after that <laughs> it's perfect it has a, it, it has a nice flow to it yeah <laughs> and that would have been cool though if you guys were still together that would have been a really cool name like for I sure know, yeah. <laughs> yeah there's no question that would have been I, I feel like it's been done a few times now but <laughs> yep and I, I mean it's still it's cool to see it like it's it's nice because yeah. for lots of reasons i'm sure but one of the ones that jump out is that it just keeps putting cree in people's vocabulary right yeah you want to keep doing that you know yes definitely yeah. you should be in the vocabulary Absolutely. i've been <laughs> i've been uh i took three cree classes so that i could try to learn cree and now um that was a few years ago, and, and now I have a bunch of um, baby board books for my son. So oh, cool. we practice Cree. I try to insert Cree and Ojibwe words into everything. And sometimes I'm saying the same word in all three languages for my son to learn to start him early. Yeah, very good. Very yeah. good idea. Yeah, so, hopefully he'll be multilingual. Yeah, that'll be, he will be, I, I'm sure. Are, so yeah. are you, you're multilingual. Are you fluent? Um, not fluent, but, yeah. um, I do find that when I'm, when I'm listening to some elders speak that I, I'm able to pick out a lot of words and I'm able to understand the general concept of, of what they're talking mm -hmm. about. So as time goes on and I reclaim more languages, it's going to get better and better. Yeah. So I was curious as to what the level of understanding is presently versus when did you start learning the language? or languages? Um, I started learning Cree around 2017 or 2018. Okay, so that explains why there's, like I should have asked that first, because then we could have, <laughs> I would have assumed you probably weren't fluent <laughs> at that point. But. <laughs> no, no, not at all. But that's still, I, I bet it's you. Been, it's been more recent that I started learning Ojibwe, yeah. um, which would be, more the language that my family speaks oh, okay so um yeah but the since my family is further west in manitoba there's really no no ojibwe language classes around these parts but okay. one of the one of the things that came out of covid is that there is a lot more happening online mm -hmm. so hopefully i'll be able to find an ojibwe language class but um yeah in the meantime i just kind of teach myself and, and practice and watch videos and such online. That's cool. And it sounds like if you, if you're able to already, like after like a couple of years of learning, able to discern some words when you're listening to people talk, that's pretty impressive. Like, yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> I didn't think it would be this way, like starting to learn so late in life and yeah. be able to recognize it. But then I, um, from your heart though, I'm, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I was in French immersion mm -hmm. growing up. So um, I feel like maybe there's an advantage when you speak more than one language and you start when you're a kid mm -hmm. to be able to pick up 
other languages later in life. There, there's got to be something connected to that, right? There's definitely some sort of yeah. brain thing that allows for language retention. Yeah, absolutely. I've kind of dabbled in in a lot of languages throughout time. Uh, uh, Turkish, because I, I dated a Turkish man for a couple of years, mm -hmm. and then um, Arabic, because my ex-husband was Arab, and then um, my research with the Bedouin, I kind of understood their dialect of, of Arabic better. Um, okay. I, I hear so much repetition when I was doing my interviews with them. So that made yeah. it easier to learn. Um, what else? I was learning Icelandic for a little bit because um, um, part of my heritage also is that um, I have some Icelandic blood. Oh, cool. So I went to Iceland for five or six weeks at, at one point to do a program there. Wow. What's Iceland yeah. like? I, I've always wanted to go. It's really amazing. I didn't feel like I would connect with it because I, since I was a kid, I didn't really ever connect with my, um, I guess, European heritage. I only mm. ever connected with my indigenous heritage. Um, <clears throat> but it actually felt really magical when I was there. And, um, the landscapes are, are beautiful and, and then I was like oh I didn't think I'd have another motherland <laughs> yeah aren't aren't the landscapes extraordinary they are there's something oh. really special about Iceland that um very much I haven't felt in every country I've visited so yeah it's really neat and then um and then the people there as well since it's such a small population mm -hmm. um I feel like the kids there are more creative than they are here uh, mm. And that's part of, partly because it's so so much safer there because of the small population. They can go out and do and explore mm -hmm. um, the way kids here might not be able to because of safety issues. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there. Um, I met some of my long lost family there, and um, did you really? Yeah, I got to stay with wow. them for a little while, and I got to do yeah. an excavation at a cemetery, and then. What else did I do? I worked at a museum slash library um, as part of my work term as well. <clears throat> and then we took some university classes for language and culture. But yeah, it's an incredible place as well. Wow, right on. And then it was the during the near 24 hours of sunlight period. So I was sleeping with my sunglasses on. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh yeah, I forget they get that 24 hour sun. Yeah. I'd be interested to check it out during the 24 hours of darkness. Oh my goodness. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I think both would be would be quite a contrast. And yeah. Yeah. yeah, it kind of throws off your system when you're wandering around at 4 a.m. like it's noon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're getting a suntan at four in the morning, right? Like yeah. <laughs> wow. That's pretty wild. Yeah. They've got an incredible art scene there too. I think I I don't know if this is correct, but I heard that like kind of one out of four people there is an artist of some sort. Wow, I, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah. That you, landscape. You walk around downtown Reykjavik, and then like a performance will like a gorilla performance will just like break out out of nowhere. <laughs> oh wow! Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's very cool yeah I, and and not surprising because you mentioned it right like the the geography of the land 
would just it, it breeds creativity i think like that that yeah. isolation the desolation like it's very actually, cool uh, um during my master's degree i was teaching one class i think it was on landscapes um and um i brought up this one video about iceland where um they're some of the most educated people in the world in Iceland. Um, they believe in evolution more so than people in other countries like America. Um, <laughs> I like how you say they're like America. Scientifically minded people, but they still believe like America. In some, some folklore things like um, the I think they're called the Fulder folk or something like the little people. And okay. They actually diverted the, a highway around where they're said to live, um, yeah. so that they wouldn't disturb them because that would bring bad luck or bring bad things. So it's kind of wow. interesting how the landscape can inspire the folklore, which um, yeah, which can interfere with things like road construction. <laughs> yeah, and it's pretty it's pretty interesting because like being less superstitious would would kind of come along with being less like religious right like yeah. it tends to they yeah. tend to go hand in hand a bit mm -hmm. that's interesting yeah yeah and and, and very kind as well there um but since since um iceland was colonized so long ago and broke off from um mm -hmm. the other forms of christianity that were on mainland europe it it's interesting how they practiced it differently Oh, they, they yeah, must have. that in the archaeology too. Um, whereas some people would go to a church in Europe, the churches in Iceland were very, very small. And mm -hmm. um, I, I think somebody told me that I'm like your your space to worship could be like one or for one or two people rather than yeah of people. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah, it's quite a big. It's quite a smaller scale, hey. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no mega church there. That's for oh, sure. No. <laughs> <laughs> there's no foothills alliance there. That's no. <laughs> yeah. All the mega churches. Well, that that is so cool because that's on my bucket list of places to visit. Right. Oh yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, and then once um, COVID comes down a little bit, I. I think they that um, Iceland Air, whatever the airline is, was leaving from Edmonton, so there was some oh really relatively cheap flights in the past from Edmonton. Okay, I'm it'd be gonna... nice if they came to Calgary instead. That but, would be nice. Yeah, and I think in the past you could get some flights and like four days of accommodations and stuff for six or seven hundred dollars. Really. Yeah, well, I'm gonna with the trip my, to the Blue Lagoon, yeah. <laughs> keep your eyes open. <laughs> I'm going to keep my eyes open for sure. Yeah, hopefully they'll resume that soon. <laughs> I, I sure hope so. Have Are you looking forward to doing some traveling again? Yeah, it's been a while. Um, yeah. Haven't been able to travel since, uh, I mean, I went to South America in 2017 for a few mm -hmm. months and um, then just like a week on Vancouver Island. And that was kind of the last time I, um, um i just couldn't travel over the past few years with mm -hmm. uh, the abusive relationship i was in <laughs> yeah i i didn't know the extent of that um over the last couple of years but yeah. also covid and stuff like that too um 
how how has it been for you over the last two years yeah um it's been interesting i had a very long 13 month battle to protect my son um and i just won full custody finally so that's oh congratulations great. thank you i learned a lot about our um our justice system which is um a bit misogynist a bit racist just um, a bit a bit, just, <laughs> just a little tiny bit yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i um i hope to burn down the system and rebuild it for domestic abuse survivors <laughs> there's Please. a lot that needs to be changed um i guess for probably for women in general but there's there's yeah. men for domestic violence as well so yeah domestic abuse survivors in general there's there's a lot that could be changed but um, there's far more bigotry towards women attitudes as well because sometimes yes. they say appropriate things <laughs> and that's kind of where i'm coming from i'm saying like in terms of women do get treated worse right there's yeah. no question and i know that if more men reported when they were um physically sexually or whatever abused then there might be like um we might be able to actually look at that a little bit more evenly because yeah. men don't report it's really almost impossible to look at yeah right? and then one thing that i found in reporting to the police is just oftentimes they don't do anything um yeah no charges come of it so yeah you you place yourself in a dangerous position and then nothing comes of it and you're right back where you started but you're That's in a right. position um <clears throat> uh, so yeah there's a lot that needs to change and and some of the some of the things that i'd like to change are the fact that um the statute of limitations i learned was only one year which really? When a when a person is in the situation, they often don't support it. But in this day and age, they often have good digital evidence of um, of say an assault or whatever afterwards. Mm -hmm. um, in my case, I had audio of threats and such. But um, it, there was no charges because you kind of have to. Uh, the person would have to say, I'm coming back to your house at 3.23 a.m. with the knife and I'm going to slash your throat. Like it has to be very specific and direct. And that's one of the problems um, with the court system, I feel. Yeah. They, they are apparently so bogged down that it has to be um, that specific for them to, for the Crown to take it on. Um, yeah, because there's no no time for them to take anything else on. So oftentimes we're looking at these things after the fact and saying, "Oh, there was all these red flags, and yeah, nothing was done about it at the time." Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and it's it's too bad, right? Because the the court systems are, are bogged down, and so there's no way that emotional abuse is going to be a crime, right? Yeah, like even, even physical and sexual sexual abuse are things yeah. that I reported and um, mm -hmm. nothing was done about those. And, and um, that that is absolutely absurd. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I really learned a lot about how terrible our system is. Um, yeah. <laughs> which is why I, I really want to fight for changes in the future. And hopefully mm -hmm. I can get um, a lot of women together so their voices in combination can be heard and make some I, I, I hope so too. Yeah. I hope so too. Because it's necessary, it's needed, right? They're the support for one another, for yeah. women to support each other. Yeah. Um, but also women who have been victimized to support each other. Yeah. Absolutely. And not just in terms of, sorry, not just in terms of the emotional support, but like what you're talking about moving forward yeah. and changing shit, right? Yeah. 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 The system was built by men for men. Um, yeah. And that's what I really found. Um, there, there's no, no room for women in at all. Um, and then mm -hmm. they get further victimized. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, don't, you don't, there's, there's a reason why not every woman reports, right? Like, it's because they've learned from other women, yeah. and even from their own experience that yeah. there's no solution there. Yeah, know? and it can be a very long process, like the investigation, in my case, for everything took nearly a year, and it was on right on the cusp of the um, statute of limitations expiring. And then I was told, we're not going to pursue anything. So um, it can be like hard, very hard um, and traumatic for a woman or a domestic abuse survivor to deal with as well is that yeah. like you feel like you're not being heard. Well, and, and you're not safe, right? Like it's. Yeah. Yeah. I had to do a lot of different things for my own safety. Um, mm -hmm. wearing a, security device and security on my home and constantly looking over my shoulders and being aware if I'm out and about. So yeah, yeah it's hard. There's it not is. help out there for women. <laughs> no, there isn't. There's not enough help out there, period. Yeah. And especially when it comes to people like women who've been victimized, victims of like abuse, like domestic abuse, rape, sexual abuse whatever it is that that has happened it like it's it's so uh, um out of balance right like where where the abuser will actually get an appropriate punishment right like that's so hard to see because it rarely happens yeah that's right you know yeah and even if they have warrants out for their arrest then th that's yeah. not something the police have time to actively pursue so they'd have to be stopped at a traffic stop, for example, or turn themselves in. That's something yeah. that I'm currently dealing with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, crazy times. Yeah, it is crazy. Well, <laughs> I, I wanna thank you so much, Autumn. Like, I, I don't know, I could probably just let you talk all night, but then you'd be tired. Your, and your little man there would probably start getting aggressive so i know he's he's getting a little bit more <laughs> it's, it's all good i i really appreciate you spending the time with me here thank you well, so thank much you so much for having me this was fun oh.